If you have ever found yourself feeling stuck, yet in the midst of change, like, how is this happening? I am changing, yet I feel stuck. I don't get it. How can I be both of these things at once? Then this episode is for you. If you have ever celebrated while feeling a twang of loss, listen in. If you've ever lost a loved one and felt broken yet stunned by the profound beauty of life and death, pay attention. Today's episode is special. It is so special. It is profound and I believe that it will bless you. It will move you. It will fill you. I have two guests with me who I love so, so much, and I learned so much from. Chris Johnson is a traveling teacher with the Milkweed Group, and he helps create and hold safe, courageous spaces that nourish inner wisdom, sharpen clarity of purpose, and nourish capacity to live and lead for a better world. He is so wise. He is my life coach and his work has changed my life and I'm so excited to get to share him with you all today. Also joining us is Angela Wasescook. Angela is a dear friend of mine and our friendship really grew while working with Chris and they're working together now and so I'm so excited to have them in one place and get to and get to invite you all to listen and learn from them. Angela is an artist who recently left a career in higher education to grow deeper relationships with land, animals, and people through art. She continues to be a teacher to some, and she is a student to all. And together, we talk about the wisdom of nature and what nature's seasons can teach us about life's seasons. We discuss paradox, grief, and they offer several activities and practices for you to do so that you can pay attention, experience awe, and connect with yourself, others, and the earth. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. It is spring. There are buds on my trees outside, which is super exciting, and they are budding quickly. And I am so excited, not only because I have this wonderful spring energy, but I also have amazing guests on today's podcast for y'all. I wanted to introduce you to Angela Wasescook and Chris Johnson. Um, I met them both through a leadership development opportunity at the University of Northern Iowa. Chris was actually our facilitator, and in the years um, since meeting them, 
they have both become great friends. And I also think of them as my mentors, that they are people who I look to for models for living fully, ethically, and compassionately. And now, now they are working together, and this makes my heart so happy. They are co-hosting a retreat called Coming Back to Life, The Courage to Emerge. And I want them to share all sorts of things about this retreat. But before we jump into some of the ideas that also inspire this retreat, I want them to tell you a little bit about themselves. So hi, Chris. Hi, Angela. You know, tell me a little bit about yourselves. Thank you so much, Danielle, for inviting us to be here. And I was thinking about how do I introduce myself? I recently left a position in higher education as an art instructor. I did that for over a decade. And when I left, I struggled to figure out how to introduce myself to other people because it was such a big part of who I was and my identity. And someone, and it may have been you, Danielle, I can't remember, (laughs) but someone reminded me that I'm an artist. And that's at the heart of who I am. So that is the first way I would introduce myself. And I'm still an educator. I teach in different ways. Um, My classroom looks very different. Um, It takes many different forms. And I would also say that I'm a student as well. And that's always been the case for me, whether I was at a university or not. But I feel like I always want to be open to learning from other people. I think that's a really exciting part of just being a human in the world. And I am working on building up my own studio practice as an artist, which has come with challenges. And I would say that I am definitely in that in-between transitional season between some kind of winter and some kind of spring. You mentioned mentorship. I see both of you definitely as mentors as I live in that transition. Thanks, Angela. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for me as well, Danielle, for the invitation to uh, be with you. And Angela, it's always good to play with you and, and work with you both. I could start by saying that I am a Minnesota farm kid. I grew up on a dairy farm in Minnesota. I now live in Minneapolis, uh, so can have feet in both worlds, so to speak. Uh, I spent many years of my working life in higher ed also as a faculty member, as a program director, uh, and now for the last number of years have worked as a freelance uh, facilitator, consultant, and coach, or as I'd like to think of it or phrase it instead as a traveling teacher, a thinking partner, and a deep listener with all kinds of audiences, still some in higher ed, but also the nonprofit world and uh, faith communities and congregations uh, around issues of individual and organizational calling, identity, meaning, purpose, uh, and how that shows up uh, in expressions of, of leadership, offering ourselves as leaders, whoever we are, wherever we are, for the sake of the common good. I love to read. I love to be in the outdoors. I love music. I thrive in um, meaningful conversations with friends. Um, I am approaching my 37th wedding anniversary to my life partner, Kim. We met in a water fight in college. That's a whole other story for another time. Uh, And Kim and I are parents of three now young adult children who are off making their own waves and marks in the world. So 
again, really good to be with you. Thank you so much. I think that one of the things that I have appreciated about my relationship with you all is that there is a commitment to deep and meaningful conversations where we can explore the beauty and um, the bonkerness. I don't know, that's not a word, um, but like the, the toughness of life in a way that appreciates the lessons that we learn from all of those moments. So thank you so much. Something that inspires your work as individuals, but also in your work together is nature. What have you learned from nature about moving through life seasons? Well, what I have learned is that change is inevitable. So seasons are inevitable and it's up to us to adapt to those seasons and to appreciate what each season brings. I believe that there is magic miracles to be found in every season. It just looks different each time. And as I mentioned before, I feel in my own life, I have been in a season of transition, um, changing from one season to the next and finding some challenges in that space. I think about how when I am in nature, if I'm taking a walk on a winter's day and it's snowy and icy, I have to adapt to that weather. So I may put on a coat and a hat and a scarf. I prepare for that. Um, and that looks very different than if I were to take a walk on a beautiful, warm summer's day. I prepare differently for that. As I think about my own seasons, I'm trying to listen to everything around me. I'm trying to stand quietly and not get in the way of making my own assumptions about what I need um, or what I want, um, but truly trying to listen. I love metaphors and I love that both of you love metaphors. Most of my metaphors are at the heart of it found in nature and that experience of being outside and like I said, adapting to whatever is happening around me, but really listening to what's happening around me, being in those moments of quietude to understand the environment that I'm in and how I need to adapt and letting it be at times a dialogue too um, and coming at it with, okay, what can I bring um, to this season, knowing what's happening around me. And I, I wanted to mention to you, and maybe this isn't so much um, a lesson from nature, one of the early conversations I think that we had when we were in the Leadership Academy together with Chris, um, you had mentioned to me the phrase, try easier, and that we're always trying harder. Like that's the culture, try harder, go bigger. Um, but you brought to me that phrase of maybe it's about trying easier. And to me, that is about being someone who listens to what's happening around them rather than forcing something to happen. And I think that in my journey, in terms of leaving a career um, in higher education, 
was trying easier. I was listening to the seasons changing in my life in a way um, and realizing that something else needed to happen, that I needed to adapt to that, that it was time to change. It was time to enter into that next season in my life. And um, so I just wanted to <laughs> acknowledge how much that has stuck with me, Danielle, um, that phrase of trying easier and has really stayed in my heart um, through all the different transitions in my life. That's so interesting. I was actually having a conversation with someone last week where I was talking about the phrase try easier. And I said, I remember Angela and I having this conversation, but I think actually she came up with the phrase try easier. And then I latched onto it. So it's like so funny because I couldn't remember. I think that it emerged um, from us. I don't, yes. I actually don't know who whose phrase it was, but it is one that it is a phrase that I think really did, you know, stick with us. I made Angela some art. And I, I'm very not great at art. My dad was my art teacher growing up, but I make other sorts of art. My medium is not, you know, drawing or clay or anything like that. And I, I made cardboard paper. I put stickers on it. And then I wrote in Sharpie, try easier. And then I laminated it and I gave it to Angela. And I was like, so self-conscious because Angela is a very <laughs> talented artist. And I was like, here's, here's my... um very imperfect art, but I felt like that was really in the spirit of our conversation. Chris, talk to us about what nature has offered you in terms of lessons for living. I'm just so enjoying bearing witness to what's happening, unfolding right in front of us here. Uh, so one of the things that occurred to me as I was listening to you is that a part of the wisdom of nature that I appreciate is that everything is connected. And so just like Try Easier somehow grew out of the connection, the relationship between the two of you, there was a, something true to life came out of just that connection, that relationship. So that's a, that's a really big part of what nature teaches. It's that fundamental basic truth that everything is connected, uh, that there, just that there is wisdom, in fact, in nature uh, that's uninhibited by uh, all the ways in which we get in our own way. It's uninhibited by social script or convention or expectation or whatever. Nature just is what it is, right? And so talk about try easy. Something like gravity in nature, just it just is what it is. It's built into the way things are. Uh, whether you talk about seasons or structures or systems or patterns, um, it's it's all there and there's a reason some kind of evolutionarily designed reason for things to work the way that they do and and what kinds of intelligence can we or just knowledge wisdom can we learn from paying attention to how things actually are designed to work nothing is wasted for instance in nature nature can teach us about resilience and creativity and innovation and just think of all the bazillion different clever ways that life has learned how to spread itself. Whether that's those, as a kid, I was so fascinated with the little, what I called helicopter seeds or cockleburs were the inspiration for Velcro, right? Because that was, that was a 
a design in nature about how to how to fasten or connect in order to for the seeds of cockleburs to spread themselves uh, to be able to latch on to the fur or the hair of a passing creature and and transport itself to to uh, another location so yeah we, we get all kinds of benefits from the, the super intelligent uh design that we can see in nature uh, last thing i'll say is that there's especially in this hyper productive constantly on the treadmill faster 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 more 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 culture in which we live one of the profound wisdoms of nature is that of the necessity to let go whether that's the the dormancy of winter giving way to the generativity of spring and the the busyness and and life of summer but then also again a letting go and a quieting down and a returning to winter the need for periods of rest and it doesn't have to be nature out there just think of nature built into our own bodies uh we did this i think as part of the academy that we worked in together at one point i just asked everybody okay now take a deep breath and hold it hold it hold it hold it hold it hold it until you all were turning purple in the face right and i said okay now take it let it let it go take a breath simply to point out that the nature that is built into our own bodies the wisdom there tells us that breathing is both inhaling and exhaling we have to do both we have to yes we have to work and produce uh if only to feed our and clothe ourselves and so on and we also need to let the breath out and pause and rest and so on and we that's the kind of thing we can learn from nature whether it's out there in the seasons or within the bodies that we are i love that and i i think it's so important to be able to hold on to you know the attachment and the letting go to hold on to the work and the busyness that's you know required of us while also recognizing that rest is also required of us so i know that your coming back to life retreat is designed to deepen our understanding of our own interior spring so you were kind of talking about our interior selves and that includes living in the midst of paradox what does it mean to live in the midst of paradox chris i loved hearing you describe that breathing exercise and reminder i was thinking about this idea of paradox and changing of seasons, change in life in general. And I've had also some time in recent years um, thinking about grief and my own grieving process, what it means to lose people that are so close to you and that you have taken for granted that they will always be there. Um, the paradox of being able to grieve when we are letting go of something. So I think that sometimes in our culture, we're always taught to suppress or ignore or move on from getting over it. Change is inevitable. We're in constant states of change. It's always happening every day. The world, Chris, as you mentioned, is a fast paced 
environment where everything is changing. And if we accept that change, we also have to accept that we're grieving something else. We're grieving something that's been lost. So even if it's a celebration, people that we love um, getting married, there's a celebration in that. We're excited, we're happy. But there's also a change that happens too. It may be a change in a relationship. It may be changing how we interact with that person. It may be grieving kind of what it was like when we were kids growing up, but that that's part of it, that that celebration also includes a moment to grieve something that we've lost, that loss comes with it, that we let go of things as new things happen to us. Um, and sometimes it's it's not a happy change. Sometimes it's a really hard thing, but to be able to actually move through that grief um, is really important rather than trying to ignore it or set it aside. For me, the paradox of living is that death is a part of that living, whether it's an actual death or not, um, a metaphorical death. Um, but both of those things we have to hold at the same time. And that's been a challenging lesson for me and one that I'm still working through, but one that I'm trying to really hold in, in a, a deep place too. What you just said there about holding things together, I think for me is one of the ways that I experience paradox or what it means to live in the midst of paradox. Paradox can be thought of as positive opposites, the uh, bringing together of things that might on the surface seem to be contradictory or opposed, but that when you hold them together, the underneath, they, they represent what Parker Palmer would call the hidden wholeness. There's a both and quality to paradox which stands in contrast to, so another mark of our culture, in addition to pace and speed and all that, is that we live in a culture of division and separation. And paradox invites us to, to think the world together rather than to break it apart, or to, to feel and to live the world together rather than to, uh, again, to separate or, or divide or break apart. It is about holding the tension rather than collapsing it. Uh, an image that comes to mind when I use that language is the way that a, a stringed instrument, the strings on a stringed instrument need to be held in tension in, in at just the right tightness so that they can in fact produce music. If you collapse the tension too much, then it just gets flabby and twangy and you know doesn't make any music. If you pull it too tight, then the string will break. So holding holding attention of apparent uh, opposites is what's necessary to make the music possible. Uh, so spring, for instance, Danielle, you mentioned this retreat that Angela and I will be partly built around the metaphors and realities of spring. Spring is an ideal example of living in the midst of paradox. Spring is very much, at least in this part of the world, the middle of the Northern Hemisphere. Spring is a time of both now and not yet, Today here in Minneapolis, it's going to be 80 and sunny, and by Sunday, it's going to be in the 30s and snowing. So now and not yet, hold all of that together in one seat, that's spring. Uh, or spring is also a time of both mud and muck and 
green shoots of possibility. Paradox is about holding light and shadow together as part of wholeness, not perfection necessarily. So the Canadian singer-songwriter poet Leonard Cohen is famous for that line, there's a crack, there's a crack in everything. That's where the light gets in. Cracked, broken lives, right, doesn't mean that we are fatally flawed or or whatever. That's part of our wholeness is is to well embrace as beautiful both the the wholeness and the cracks as part of the wholeness. Yeah. One of the paradoxes that I believe you introduced is the phrase hurry slowly. And what does it mean to hurry slowly? Um, and I also really love the metaphor of the musical instrument. One thing that I wanted to ask you all, you shared the activity of breathing and holding your breath. And I wanted to ask you all if there's another activity or reflective practice that you could rec recommend for myself and my listeners to help them find some lessons from nature or to help them guide them as they are navigating the paradoxes in their own lives. The first thing that occurred to me, Danielle, in response to that question is the beautiful three-line poem by Mary Oliver. I think it's called something like Instructions for Living. But the poem goes, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Perfect, <laughs> right? Uh, so to the extent to which a piece of poetry like that can be itself a practice uh, that I recommend it. Uh, and of course, it can take lots of different shapes, but just, well, pay attention. Notice. Allow yourself to be awed, to be wowed, to be curious about something that, you're, that you are noticing because you're allowing yourself to go at a pace where you can be you can be penetrated by something that you otherwise are speeding by. Um, it's It can be really enthralling, for instance, to just notice um, patterns in nature. Um, spirals, branches, speckling. Uh, folks who are smarter than I am or more observant than I am have, you know, cataloged that there are like six or seven basic patterns that are replicated everywhere in nature. Uh, and just opening your senses to be aware of those patterns can itself be a form of paying attention and being astonished. Do you all have a personal practice that helps you keep paying attention, keep being astonished, keep fiddling with the tensions of the strings and the paradoxes? Do you have a personal practice that helps you stay connected, helps you keep paying attention? Well, I'll jump in and say, thank you, Chris, for sharing that Mary Oliver piece. And I was just thinking as you were reciting it, that if I were still teaching, that would be my syllabus. 
that's it one page yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I want um to encourage my students to do and that's what I need to encourage for myself as well and I think Danielle to answer your question for me I would say I'm not always the best when it comes to goal setting and planning which is why I look to you <laughs> for support in that area but in terms of a practice and it, it's it's so much of just my day-to-day -day that I don't even consider it a practice I don't know that I'm cognizant of it all the time but I stay curious as much as possible and I observe what's around me and the abundance in what's around me um I think that I try to remind myself of that word too, abundance. Um, it's important for me to hold that, that I live in abundance and that if I step outside into my yard, I can observe a million relationships happening right in front of me, insects and plants and air and dirt and my body, myself, my presence all connected as you were talking about Chris that interconnectedness in nature we are a part of that we're not separate from that and I try to ground myself in that reminder um, one practice that I want to do more of because I think it's important um, is to find one spot to return to on a regular basis. So maybe it's just in your backyard. It's a tree that's in your backyard that you spend time with, whether it's every day, um, maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once a season, but that you go out there and you stay in the moment with that space Maybe you have a special place somewhere else um, that you walk to um, that is just a place that you feel very connected. You feel very much a part of that interconnectedness um, in nature. But I would encourage you to at least go once a season and observe everything that you can. Stay curious. Don't think that you know what it looks like. Don't assume that you know what that tree looks like, but go to that space imagining that you've never been there before and take it all in as much as possible. And then the next time you go, look for the things that are the same, but also really look for the things that have changed. Um, and things change day to day. And they really change season to season. Um, and remind yourself of the magic that's there, but also remind yourself of what's no longer there, what has been let go of, um, what has died in order to let something else flourish. Um, there's always examples of that. And I think that being in those kinds of spaces, living in that paradox um, of I, multiple paradoxes, um of change and life and death um letting go I, it's all there and tell about it i love that last line tell about it um i think that's that's beautiful and a great way to live beautiful thank you i love the idea of um finding 
a place to return to. And I also really love noticing those changes and the potential and possibility in those changes, but also recognizing and honor the loss that made those changes possible. You know, when I talk about planning and goal setting, for me, it's a practice that helps me pay attention and helps me recognize those little changes. I, you know, it's about, you know, meeting myself on a regular basis and making sure, did you pay attention? <laughs> um, and and asking myself to mark those moments. And I love that I might have to make that part of my morning ritual. Um, Chris, I wanna know what, what sort of personal development practices do you have that help you pay attention, be astonished? and share what's occurring to me is ways in which i i don't think i'm alone in this but i i'm very aware of how i struggle with the chatter in my head uh monkey mind i sometimes call that right and so whatever practice or or ways that I can remind myself to turn down the volume on monkey mind or invite the monkeys to go elsewhere and play for a while can be really helpful as a way for me to to then pay attention, you know, be astonished, tell about it. A way, again, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert at this or even very regular, but a way that I can help myself to do that, especially in an encounter out in the natural world, Angela, the sort that you were describing, or at, at a, in a place that I know is going to speak to me or help me to become both more deeply uh inhabiting of myself and simultaneously paradoxically less encumbered by myself a way that i can do that is to um engage the five senses each very intentionally so i, I think i've heard this referred to as the five senses meditation and in a given moment or place where you're at begin with identifying five things that I can see, four things that I can smell, three things that I can hear, and so on and so on. And each time you go through the five senses, mix up the order. So maybe it's five things that I can feel, uh, four things that I can taste, so on and so on. So you don't have to do it in a rigid, scripted sort of way, but just allow yourself to in fact engage each of the senses in turn in a spacious slow patient kind of way and just see what emerges a quick variation on that uh that i don't again i don't do often but sometimes it's just really magical is that if i'm in a place let's just say in a woods by a lake or something the practice is to engage uh, my hearing and then express that as uh, how a different sense would experience it so for instance uh, i can i try to tune my hearing into one discrete bird song at a time not all the birds that are singing, but just one bird song at a time, and then translate that song, what I'm hearing, into some kind of uh, uh, visual 
representation. So I'll just have a blank sheet of paper, or a journal and, and a pencil. And if and I'm not going to try to make a bird song for you right at the moment, but if I hear a bird song that is sort of trilling, then on the paper, I'll do a visual representation, not trying to be artistically uh, beautiful about it, but just how does, how am I a vessel for translating what I'm hearing into what it looks like on paper? And then move on to the next bird song, which might be more of a tweet uh, or a chirp. How do trills and tweets and chirps and so on appear visually on paper? So in, engaging the senses in ways that they kind of inform each other or illuminate each other can be just really fun and surprising. And, and lo and behold, I again am both more immersed in or present within myself and paradoxically simultaneously much more out of my own way uh, when I uh, let the senses do what they are built to do. I love that. I want to go do that right now. <laughs> One of the things that I really love about working with both of you all and having conversations with each of you is in those moments where you find ways to connect yourself as part of the bird song, as part of the trees, as part of the bugs, right? That in doing so, it also connects us to each other in really profound ways. And when we can posture ourselves as always interconnected, as intimately and intricately connected always to each other and to all of the things around us, it calls us to act in a different way, to treat each other differently when we honor and recognize those connections. So um, my last thing for you all is if people wanted to connect with you, um, how could they do that? If they wanted to go to this retreat, if they wanted to find other ways to work with you all, how can my listeners do that? For me, email um, is probably the best. It's just angelapease at gmail.com. It's an old email address, but it's the one that I use. Um, and I do also have a website that's angelawisescuck.com, but it's sadly, sadly out of date. It's a goal of mine <laughs> to update that website, but um, email is great. Wonderful. And I'll make sure that those, um, the, the website and the email are in the show notes so that listeners can find that easily. And what about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, same. And thank you, Danielle, for uh, posting the info. Uh, my email is cjohnso5 at gmail.com. There is not an N at the end of John So. That's the most common way that I don't get messages from people. See John So 5. Four two, sorry, cjohnso542 at uh, gmail.com. And then my uh, website is, uh, my container for my work in the world these days is called the Milkweed Group. Uh, I am the group, single member LLC and all that. 
uh, but it's milkweedgroup.com is the website. Uh, and there'd be info about the retreat uh, on that website. Uh, and then I think I, you'll also be posting the direct registration links for the for the retreat as well in your show notes, which we are very grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. And you all that are listening, you should sign up for this retreat. We can hang out all together. Uh, it's going to also be in a place that is going to allow us to learn lessons from nature. So um, sign up for this. I promise you it's going to be worth it and um, will be a wonderful experience. So thank you, thank you, thank you to both Angela and Chris for the profound wisdom that you bring to this conversation and to the complexness that you bring to your observations of the world. I wish for you attention. Attention that you might notice the quiet wisdom offered to you from nature. I wish for you astonishment from the paradox working in your lives, that you might honor those paradoxes as generative tensions rather than contradictions to be fixed. I wish for you awe and wonder and delight and the things that make our lives full and cracked, beautiful and broken for moments that are now and not yet. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all. <laughs>